0: Charles, welcome in. So good to have you here this morning.
2: Great to be here. Thank you.
0: Yes. So I know you've been busy looking into this and thinking about what's going on in Philadelphia. And there are a lot of there are multi levels of investigations here, right, because we have to look at at the local level. I know and the state level, state police figuring out as far as was this an accident. And then looking at everything as far as the engineering, the roadway, the integrity of the overpass, there's so much to look at. Can you share with us as far as your real clear PA investigation here?
2: Yeah, Don, I mean, when it comes to what we know so far, there does seem to be this disorienting fog to all of it, that amid all of the news coming out, we still don't know many details. Mm -hmm. All we know is that the consequences for the region from an economic uh, standpoint, as well as in terms of inconvenience, will be quite profound. We can't make any definitive predictions, but we do know that as far as the uh, greater Philadelphia goes and Pennsylvania and the Northeast Corridor itself, the fact that that section of 95 is closed, it is, there's no other way to put it. It's catastrophic in the sense of what the impact will be on the entire region and how the area has transformed since a similar incident happened in 1996. I don't think that's a good comparison to the Section 95 that was shut down after a tire fire uh, in Port Richmond that year. It's a whole different era, whole different economy, and will it, it remains to be seen exactly how this will play out, yeah, you
0: know, when you think about and I know you had written <clears throat> you had written about um, recently Philadelphia's so-called democratic machine, and you had written about the fact that it still runs. So today when we see the former you know or the current transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, he's expected to be greeted by. Mayor Jim Kenney and other dignitaries here in the city of Philadelphia, and then state dignitaries as well, SEPTA, etc. But tell me a little bit about as you look into the the so called, you know, Democrat machine in Philadelphia, and what you mean by that.
2: Well, the, the Democrat machine played a crucial role in the recent mayoral Democratic primary with Sherelle Parker's victory. Mm-hmm. And it was a reminder that that machine, although diminished compared to its power many years ago, especially in neighborhoods like South Philadelphia, when the machine mm-hmm. produced people like, ironically, Jim Kenney, who became this progressive figure, but at one time was a foot soldier soldier of that mm-hmm. machine. Um, fast forward to today, I mean, as far as Kenny goes with this crisis, he is, one, a lame duck and, two, an isolated figure. I mean, he his legacy will largely be defined by his comments last year about how he could not wait to no longer be mayor of Philadelphia. He, of, of course, wants to forget about that comment and hopes others have moved on. But that defines his legacy. So really, uh, this is a test. I think more so uh, between, well, of course, the city, but mm-hmm. it's coordination with federal and state officials. And Secretary Buttigieg will be at the site, but it's a reminder to nationally, why does it what is the state of our infrastructure and why does it take so long to build things? Countries like Germany and Canada are building new infrastructure faster and cheaper than we do. We're in regions, including in Philadelphia, where the red tape prevails, thanks in part to the machine that operates locally. But uh, there are so many moving factors here, Don. But uh, if anything, I think this is a bigger test for uh, Governor Shapiro and, of course, the federal coordination with the governor's office as a response to this crisis.
0: Now, we've, we're already seeing, and you mentioned Governor Josh Shapiro, who's a Democrat, who of course, is from the Philadelphia region, grew up in Abington, uh, Montgomery County, just outside Philadelphia. And we're already seeing some Democrats in Pennsylvania who are pushing back on a law that was voted on by the people of Pennsylvania amid the pandemic, when we saw overreach by then-Governor Tom Wolfe. And so he just kept on you know, just kept on extending that emergency declaration for Pennsylvania, which allowed funding but allowed a lot of these, you know, mandates that ultimately proved to be very arbitrary. And so that's why people said every, every time a governor declares an emergency, like any kind of an emergency, it lasts 21 days and then requires our lawmakers, right, to to then extend it or allow the governor to extend it but they have to sound off and it's the checks and balances that they're creating. And so we're already seeing the pushback by Democrats to say, well, this is ridiculous. Three weeks for the governor. And, and you could see the pushback as they talk about the fact that governor just declared that yesterday, as far as the emergency declaration to free up um, the immediate state dollars. What was it? $7 million for the I-95 collapse and the fix.
2: I mean, What choice does the governor have in in, in terms of declaring a disaster? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a disaster. and It's very different from uh, the the COVID crisis and how Governor Wolf responds to it. I mean, what we're dealing with right now is the majority of national freight goes through the region. So like nearby, like 295, the New Jersey Turnpike, so much freight goes through this very stretch of the Northeast Corridor. Most of Philadelphia's food supply businesses are around that neighborhood, around that stretch of 95. So there's a food distribution crisis. The the Northeast Philadelphia itself has transformed in in recent years with the demand of e-commerce. So you now have warehousing throughout the area. And the warehousing and logistics industries have made not just greater Philadelphia, but the Lehigh Valley and Central South Jersey really the global hub for warehousing logistics and supplying the east coast, this entire region has to deal with that stretch of ninety five. So for if anything, I mean this is a test for Shapiro in the sense of it will define his first turn. I mean how did he respond to this? How did he cut through the red tape? How did he get uh that bridge, that that section ninety five rebuilt in, in record time? And it's a, it, it, You can think back to previous governors, like the the '96 blizzard tested Tom Ridge's legacy when he was governor. That was a disaster. Uh, massive flooding in 2011 tested Governor Corbett, and then of course COVID with Governor Wolf. But Wolf's legacy is overshadowed by the fact, as you know, that that mm-hmm. his yeah. response was so arbitrary and 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 so um, just just it was so excessive compared to other governors that that ended up being part of its legacy.
0: What do you see when you look at the coverage so far? I mean, you're long time in you know, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. When you see the coverage of this I-95 um, disaster, the way local officials are handling it, the way politicians are handling it, the way judge, you know, Pete Buttigieg is, is here quite quickly – Boots on the ground, designer boots on the ground in the Northeast. What do you see when you when you look out as that at at that as a writer, longtime journalist, longtime investigative reporter?
2: Well, my my political analyst hat says that it, it's in the political interests of all involved to get this done uh in, in a very Expedite a fashion, considering that we are entering yet another presidential cycle, and next year Pennsylvania will once again play a pivotal role in the presidential outcome, as it did in 16 and also 20. But of course, you want to not think that way because this does transcend partisanship. This is a crisis that affects everyone. And so far, to to Governor Shapiro's credit, Mm -hmm. he really has not operated in a partisan fashion. He has addressed the issue of red tape as governor. He set up an office of uh, transformation opportunity to cut through the red tape when it comes to economic development projects. So the president is already, already there, even though it's early in his tenure that Shapiro um, must work with everyone to, to, to address this crisis, as he has with other disasters. I mean, he's had a, a number so far, from mm-hmm. the East Palestine uh, disaster in, in nearby Ohio, a neighboring in Ohio, uh, the the chocolate factory explosion in West Reading, and of course the chemical spill this spring in the Delaware River. So uh, th- this is just going to be a story that will be with us for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah and and so the question is I mean do you think they can mitigate this to the point I mean you talked about the supply chain issue I even saw I think in the inquirer somewhere they were saying this will really muck up and mess up even 4th of July celebrations for example and and what a mess um completely a mess and even for the neighborhoods they can't even get their their trash picked up for example I mean when you see this and you see this administration working, and I mean Governor Shapiro's working with the Kenny administration. Are you seeing that you think there's a way they can mitigate this? It's going to be a hot, long nightmare of a summer. How do they mitigate it?
2: That's the question. We, we don't know. I mean, <laughs> the, the, this this is so profound, on That uh, I mean, it, it, it's um, an Hour by hour story and uh, time is of the essence. But it, you nailed it. I mean, it, this and more than anyone, this impacts the people who live in that neighborhood, who live around that section ninety five. I mean, this is just uh, horrifying for for residents of yeah. the area, commuters, and, and then of course people who are now subject to a forty mile detour to avoid the area. So uh, there will be. Unforeseen consequences, but in terms of de- definitive predictions, we're only two days into this, and, yeah. and really today is the ultimate test Monday. I mean, I, even yesterday morning, I drove on the Schuylkill and was dead. Uh, I mean, there was not, not much traffic. So I think today uh, is the big test uh, in terms of how it impacts really the, the economic orchestra yeah. of the region.
0: Yeah, and, and already early this morning, I think it was 5 a.m., because I was listening to Whatever News. We're here really early getting ready for the first broadcast, and it was already pretty busy at 5-ish in the morning this morning. I think a lot of people were trying to get a jump start on the day, so we're just hearing nightmare kind of stories. And then that tees us up for thinking about, thinking about job stats, getting people to come to work in person. And, and a lot of people just saying, nope, one more reason that I'm just going to work from home, and if I can, zoom in from home. And so I think that that's just unfortunate, horrible timing here in Philadelphia after, you know, everything we've suffered with trying to come back from the pandemic.
2: Absolutely. The unforeseen will be wild. So yeah. exactly. So will we resort? To, just this spring, offices are starting to call it people back into the city. People were commuting maybe two or three days a week into the city. Is that on hold now? Will offices reevaluate because the productivity of city and traffic for up to two hours mm-hmm. is not conducive to uh, the, the benefits of remote work? And I mean, just, just the, the traffic, you're right, that early on in the morning, it's a reminder that the, that logistics realm has to respond accordingly. I mean, Amazon alone, I, th- I think it's like 60 warehouses that they yeah. lease in the area. So just uh, this affects Amazon alone. I mean, the, the, this is uh, the, the employees who work at these distribution centers. Every it, – it, the consequences and, and how the story plays out, it's going to be wild.
0: Yeah, and, and that's why I love your perspective because a lot of people – like me, initially, I'll be honest, because I live in the Northwest, so I'm thinking, oh, it doesn't affect me because I take the Schuylkill as opposed to, you know, Greg Stocker, my coworker who takes lives in Bucks County, er, in that area generally, and would take toward the Northeast, would take I-95. But this is an important piece of it, and that is that in this area, you're coming from you know where all of the sourcing is, so they got to get the trucks out. They got to get the deliveries, and so it affects everybody in the entire region, South Jersey, across Philadelphia and beyond. And I think that's a great perspective that you have, Charles McElwee.
2: Thanks, son. Yeah, I mean that you couldn't have picked a worse location for this catastrophe. Yeah. It's a nexus for suburban Philadelphia, the South Jersey suburbs, and the city. It, it, it's it, it, it's crazy.
0: I want to, I just, just because I, and I'm, I can, I know I can throw anything at you. You have such a great level of, first of all, you know, a vast experience in covering the entire region, but you had written an article a few years back about Trump, his rural base in Pennsylvania, and you've studied, you know, you've followed his campaigns, you've studied him, reported on him for a long time. I just want to get your take on, on the base in Pennsylvania And just with your knowledge, just to get just to check your pulse, if I may, Charles, on today, obviously, Mar-a-Lago or excuse me, obviously Trump flying from Jersey to Miami to face this historic day, really, with a former president, current presidential candidate leading in the GOP race, obviously, against Biden, facing these criminal charges with this indictment. Can you give us a perspective from your experience with how this may impact those the rural base or the Pennsylvania base of voters who have been loyal to Trump?
2: I think it could be twofold, Don, uh, when it comes to those uh, areas of Pennsylvania, especially like those working class regions of Pennsylvania in north like northeastern Pennsylvania to to southwestern Pennsylvania in those areas and counties, I think we may be seeing a trend of or really two factors. One, that the Trump voter from 16 and 20 who is appalled empathizing with the former president and, and saying that what is happening today is appalling, and therefore there is no choice but to support him in the 24 primary but then i also think there's another segment of that vote let's just say back-to-back trump voters who are absolutely fatigued by this can't take it and are looking for somebody else whether that's florida governor um, ron desantis or another candidate but all polling even now suggests that Trump has the upper hand uh, that, of course, could be subject to change as all these stories unfold. And as this continues by the, the Trump support mm-hmm. in those areas of Pennsylvania, that proved so important to his sixteen victory. Although the share of that support may be diminished and that started to emerge in 20, mm-hmm. even when you look at the margins in that year. It, it does endure. So I, I I will be fascinating to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, well, Charles McElwee, thank you so much. And, and I, I know I can always count on you for just a, um, a breath of information. So thank you so much. We appreciate you real clear investigations and real clear PA. Thank you, Charles.
2: Oh, thank you, Don